This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. So, yeah, usually I would do a kind of pun-laden intro for this kind of thing, but it feels like looking back for the uh, Rochdale thing, I think it probably deserves about as much effort putting into puns as as we saw on the pitch. And yes, thank you very much to Sky Sports and ITV Sport and all of the other social media accounts. Charlie Austin did score four goals, but what use are these little achievements if you can't maintain a lead? And that is true whether you're Swindon Town Football Club or if you're Rich Pullen's Wi-Fi router. Yes, I'm here covering Rich has got no internet. We're talking about Stockport on Saturday, and joining me, as ever, from Total Sports Swindon, it's Joe Acklam. Hello, JR. It's a, it's a proud tradition that Charlie Austin followed there as the number 30-plus Swindon striker to score lots of goals and still not win. I feel like Simon Cox scored hat-tricks two or three times when we drew both of those, all of those games. So it's a... It's a proud history of Swindon strikers who try and do all they can and still get let down by the rest of them. So, you know, it's, you can take some solace in that, I think. Yeah, a proud, a proud tradition there. And Simon Cox, uh, he, had a, he had a little stint in Oz as well, didn't he? Yeah, they're, they're bonded by their shirt numbers, goal-scoring abilities and uh, late career dabbles down under. Bonded by Bondi. That's in Australia, right? <laughs> uh, I believe yes. so, and it's also... <laughs> At least you did get some, not quite pun, but wordplay at the very least in into this intro. Yeah, as, as, you, as you correctly gauge, not really the vibe for that kind of thing at no. the moment. <laughs> not at all. It's very much, it's very much not the vibe. And uh, Saturday, Rochdale was a a difficult watch. Um, you heard uh, Terry and Rich dissect it uh, in the last pod. Been a bit of a gap because there's been no Tuesday. 
And of course, Richard had been wrestling with his internet problems. Uh, I went on the the Stockport uh, podcast yesterday, the the Scarf Bagara War yesterday, and they'd given it a a listen, and they definitely cottoned onto the the funeral vibes. But I don't think it's just this pod. I think that's that's a universal thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's a tough push to get too much positivity. Alps Winden fans, in a general sense, um, that you know we could have won that game and it would still be similar, but. You know, it was it was bad. I was commentating at Bath City at the time, sort of do first half of each half and then swap over. So I've come off and we're 2 nil up. And, oh, great. We actually might do what we should be doing. And then I think they scored immediately and just get becoming increasingly vexed throughout the afternoon when I wasn't actually uh, having to be actively watching Bath City at the time. So it was it was very frustrating. And then having to watch it back again was was even worse because Swindon were just dreadful. And you actually question how we managed to score all those goals because you know, we've played significantly better and scored none all, at times this season. And that's it was just a dreadful performance, really. Yeah, and a lot of praise, obviously. And yeah, I would say rightly given to Charlie Austin, but you know, some of those chances, they were pretty much served on a plate, weren't they? You'd be you'd be immensely disappointed and frustrated if he didn't finish, particularly the first one that he seemed to have about half an hour to shoot. Yeah, I think he can only really be given too much credit in terms of finishing for the fourth one. The other three were pretty simple. Um, obviously, it's his, it's his movement that gets him in there and all the other striker stuff that I'm sure he would invariably tell you about the goals. But yeah, there was it was not the most difficult of chances, which is... Not what could be said for all the Rochdale goals. Scored an absolute scorcher, which you did. You know, I have to take the hats off to. It was it was a banger. It certainly was a banger, and they were holding us right until the very end. I did think that it could have ended in the worst possible way, but we've got out with a point. We've got out unscathed, and we're back again, ready to do it all over again. Looking forward to Saturday back at home. So, of course, was the presser today. You were in with the usual suspects. as Andrew Hawes from BBC Radio Wiltshire, uh, Johnny Leafhill from the Swindon Advertiser, and your good self with Jodie Morris. What was uh, what was the the vibe on Rochdale in the press room? Yeah, it was it was pretty negative. I always have a bit of a catch up with with the other two from away games because I don't go, and obviously they do. But yeah, it was it was um, very much a just be glad you didn't travel up there for it type type situation. I think they were they were thinking largely the same as we've just said in terms of what Swindon put out and a very dim view of, of what this weekend will probably have in store for us as well. We're in, we're in the mood to be actually getting some, some good and some positive news and I definitely usually look to uh, that treatment table. I've got a feeling that you might be giving us some cause for optimism based on injuries? Yeah, I think probably the first time in a while you can say the injury news is positive, really. I saw George McEachran as I arrived at the county ground. He was coming back from training. So I had uh, an idea that maybe he might be fine. And we learned very quickly that he, that apparently this is sort of in what forced him to come off, kind of went away and they couldn't really figure out what it actually was, which given that apparently his knee went numb or something is is a bit concerning in terms of what's actually gone on there but uh, he should be he's he's good to play and will be in the lab and he's trained properly all week so that's that's very positive news and in 
other positive news, Joe Tomlinson and Fraser Blake Tracy have both in, been in training all week. So um, they're not definitely involved in the game this weekend. They're sort of going to be a sort of game time decision on how much those two may or may not be able to be involved. But they've you know, given how long we thought Blake Tracy would be out for. Um, you know, it's it's very positive news there. And Joe Tomlinson hopefully can get back in as well. That is very positive news. I feel like uh, Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. So we're thinking <laughs> yeah, that yeah. they could potentially feature on Saturday, or is that something that he's going to call tomorrow, probably? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a Friday decision, I would imagine. But it sounds like they you know, they could at least be available for the bench. The, the possibility of them playing certainly wasn't ruled out, which, given all the, the corner kick stuff, uh, Fraser Bake Tracy's presence will be be very much um, welcomed back into the side, and for all the other reasons that he's just a generally very good player, and hopefully Tomlinson can do the same. I would I would be doubtful that both of them will play certainly from the start, but so it's, uh, it's it's good to see players actually coming back for once instead of just going out. Although of course there is one who has left, but it's not because of an injury with uh, Tyree Shade off on international duty. Yes, we were just talking before we hit the record button on there because this is actually streaming on YouTube as we speak and we're missing this as well as various other uh, internationals, uh, England, all the all the important things. But you know, we're here to give the presser its due, its due course and some of the enthusiastic contributions of the low strangers are, are watching Tyree Shade make his, make his debut as we speak. Yes, we've um we took a look, didn't we? Just before we hit record to check what was going on, they were two one up at half time. Uh, Remain Sawyer's of the championship had got the opener, and Tyree Shade has started the first game he could possibly do so for his country. So that's very good news that he finally got that call up to international level. And obviously, Jody Morris said, um, you know, he, he said a, on the time it was asked generally about this call up and how it happened, and when I asked him later on. Um, he was he was very proud of Tyrese to be able to go away and play for his country. He said he was never going to be someone who would stand in the way of a player doing that. And he wanted to see him do his absolute best. And based, I don't know, if, I imagine people have seen his Instagram stories. He looks like he's having an absolutely lovely time out there in the sun in the Caribbean. Well, yeah, to be, to be you know, quintessentially cliche, cringe British, you know, compared to the sort of weather, I don't know what you're having down down your way but it's been absolutely miserable today and just having a little glimpse on youtube it looks absolutely glorious there looks lovely yeah i think our two experiences of the day might be quite different between myself and tyree shade i got quite heavily rained on walking back from a press conference and he's making his international debut in in the sunny sun so yeah it's a it's a it's a nice nice way to get out as well as well as what could be I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict now a fairly toxic county ground this weekend. And then on Tyree Shady, obviously it's a great experience for him. Was there any part of you was like, not another one who's gone? Because obviously he's started to hit form in the last couple of weeks, what, two, a goal and two assists. Last yeah. But it's, that's, that's, listen, that's the, the gift and the curse, isn't it? It's like if you're lucky enough to be selected to play for your country, um, then um, if you want to take that opportunity up and go and play for them, then unfortunately at this level then you, you can miss games would I have preferred to have Ty available absolutely but not for one second would I ever dream of telling a player or trying to guide a player to turn down an opportunity to make his debut for his country um, towards playing for for us 
from a selfish aspect. <laughs> um, yeah, there are there are thoughts, but those those are things I would never ever get involved with. If, if, if anything, I'd I'd like my players to go and get honours or international honours. I, I think it's, um, it's it happens few and far between. There's plenty of players up and down the country, um, all over the world that are not lucky enough to be selected to play for their country. So whenever it happens, um, I'd rather be a congratulations and a pat on the back type manager then do you think you can avoid um, making your day with but yes I get it um, we would be certainly slightly stronger going into the weekend but. yeah and a much shorter journey for somebody else to don their uh, their native colours shall we say because some very eagle eyed fans this week spotted a certain loney Mr Dylan Kaji making a, a cameo appearance Bristol City under twenty threes. What's the what's the mystery there, or is there one? Yes, we shan't question why various Swindon fans were looking at Bristol City team sheets. We'll leave that where it is. But um, yeah, Dylan Kaji played forty five minutes for the Bristol City under twenty threes in this in the week. Um, Jody Morris is good friends of Jason Yule, I believe, possibly from his time at Bristol City as a player um, towards the end of his career. He said. You know, he's good friends of him and they have quite a good dialogue about Kaji and his progression. They've been monitoring his time on the pitch and asked, you know, would he be um, be made available to them, try and get him to play a little bit more than he has been over the past few weeks for Swindon. And uh, Johnny Morris is happy to let him do that. He didn't, he only played 45 minutes on the Monday and then was straight back into training, full training with Swindon the following day. So he's not actually missed any football for us um, either so it's it's worked out pretty well from that point of view and um, so you know it's essentially like a one of those um, not not trial games but just a sort of behind closed doors friendly essentially because he wasn't playing for us he was playing for someone else you're a you're a football manager man it's like when you're clicking through of like your players you haven't selected and who you want to make available for the next under 23 games and you just say yes all 45 minutes only and you can just click him through. Jody Morris clicked him over to the other side and he got to get the game time that he didn't get on Saturday and it's all fine. Everything is okay. There's nothing to worry or stress about. I think we know why fans would be looking at uh, Bristol City under 23 team sheets is because in this day and age we're looking at loan signings aren't we for next year because that that is the status that we find ourselves in yeah I could I can give everyone the the insight on that Ollie Thomas is who we should be looking at he's a very talented young striker at Bristol City big and fast so that's who we should be looking at who was who was on that team sheet as well top tips there Sandro if you're listening is he listening what do you reckon probably not um, uh, ask, ask Rich to check the stats like you know about Akinodamaya Oh, yeah. I wonder if he still listens. I'll have to get Rich to check the stats on that. Okay, so some good availabilities, all the little scares of thinking that there's been recalls, that there's going to be more people on the treatment table. We can put that to rest. Um, I've got the impression of what you guys, the fellow journalists, were thinking about Rochdale, but what could you glean from Jody Morris's reflections? Yeah, he was he was very similar to everyone else for obvious reasons. He said... He was he was particularly annoyed because he felt quite good going into the game. He felt that maybe they hadn't got the results against Walsall and um, Carlisle and Lake Norrington that maybe they they deserved. But he felt all the performances were good. The training and the build up had been positive, and it felt like they were building to something. And then 
They went out and delivered a performance. He said there was basically nothing of what he was wanting them to do. They didn't keep the ball nearly well enough. They were gifting chances and goals away. So he's you know, very frustrated by the fact that they, it felt like a big step backward from where they were moving towards. And he sort of specifically said that you know, playing a team like Stockport, which is a much bigger test than Rochdale, that sort of opportunities and momentum that we were gifting to Rochdale at, at will during that game, there would be an even bigger problem against a really, really strong side like like Stockdale, uh, like Stockport, who he was uh, sounded very impressed with generally. I wonder if he thought that he might be in danger of getting Stockdale this week or <laughs> people being uh, packed off. But I tell you, one thing that has made me more positive about you know the near future and going forward is that I think it's fair to say that Morris doesn't try to. Um, don't try to do like puff pieces and say that, oh, I thought we were great in patches or other such superfluous nonsense. If, if things are not good enough, he's he's pretty transparent in telling it like it is, isn't he? Yeah, I think as we go on, he's becoming more and more transparent as he sort of, I guess, um, he was asked about going Conte as well, but he's sort of that kind of, um, I'll tell you what I think is wrong. and Hopefully you can change it for me type, type thing that he's doing. Um, you know, it's, and I think it's quite hard to try and hide away from that kind of performance. I think he has at times been, well, I thought again, he said specifically about Doncaster a few times that he thought has been played quite well at various points, which I don't particularly agree with. But yeah, I think when things like that happen and he gets to the point where he's probably looking a lot more towards the summer than anything else, that uh, he w- wants to try and lay down those markers for try and, for, to try and get people to come up to his level rather than any other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been thinking a lot about, you know, what exactly is going wrong and what's not clicking. Uh, I think at this stage, actually, although we're only about 15 minutes in, I think it would be useful to listen to your question and it'll make sense why after. On the corners, I, I was reading in the week that it was a similar problem you had at Chelsea as well, where you conceded quite a few in 2019-20. Does mm. having been through that experience before help you in trying to correct the problems now? Not really. I mean, uh, I, I went through it because it was part of the the team that I was with, but it was, it was never like, it wasn't my job as far as the set piece is concerned, as much as you spread it out throughout your staff um, again I think when you're talking about that moment there you're talking about maybe a lot of young players that we're playing in a, a team at that period I think we're an extremely young group here um, regarding the set pieces I mean there was meetings that went on I don't know was it maybe a couple of months ago or something and I think we was maybe I don't know fifth in the league for conceding from set pieces like um, but you're like the expected goals for that kind of period was quite high even though they hadn't conceded many goals at all um, and like I said it's, it's things that you go over um, with the coaching staff and XG and conceding goals can be um, a little bit misleading but you can't get away from the fact that um, I think when you, whenever you're talking about set pieces you have to look at personnel whether you're zonal whether you're man-to-man marking, whatever. I know we've had this conversation before, but um, we was having it this morning, funny enough, talking about it, and Mildy was talking about, well, the four that we've had in a position in the 
previous set pieces was Gladwin, McDonald, Blake Tracy and Ellis. So if you're that's your four that have been kind of involved in a lot of set pieces and been a the rubber four that is protecting the the goal, there's they're nowhere to be seen of late. Um because of obviously people leaving the club and injuries and stuff. So um having to address that is practice, uh, making the players aware of what you're facing but ultimately it's um a lot of the time when you're talking about teams that are either a threat or good from set pieces or very good at defending them, usually there's a bit of physicality and experience in there. Not usually, I'd say nine times out of ten, physicality and experience is in there. That's something that we're not particularly blessed with at the minute. Okay, so I've jumped straight to your question because you're asking him all about the corners. And I'm going to give you a little plug here that you had your article up on Total Sports Swindon about conceding from corners. Honestly, full disclosure, I thought it was an excellent read, well worth plugging, but would you like to just give us the abridged version here in audio form for the uh, for the drivers and such like? Yeah, sure. The, the abridged version is it's quite tough to figure out what's gone wrong because the four corners we conceded are all essentially very different corners. Um, the I, the zonal marking is not the issue that a lot of people have said that it is because if Swindon tried to mark man to man, especially if it was all man to man, then you know they, it would probably be a lot worse than it is because Swindon is just not going to win those aerial duels if they're not doing other things to try and throw teams off. So it's not it's not the zonal that's the problem. It's just execution of just simply not not winning the headers when you should do and not making the right moves. There was a strange answer that about saying about people who weren't seen around the place when he's talking about the the old back four and you know or back fours for set pieces. Talking about Gladwin and McDonald not being here. I don't think they were ever here when he was through the door. And it, it was probably just a a slip of the tongue or turn of phrase. It seemed like a very strange thing to point out. Um, I did get through his uh, through his comments that that you'd sent through that there was a vibe that you need two things from that, that physicality and that experience. And I think it'd be fair to say we're kind of lacking both of those, aren't we? Yeah. He said that, um, I think a few times in terms of being, Swindon are certainly not going to be to anywhere, even towards the middle in terms of height and experience, which I think we're second last for, in terms of average age, and I, I would I would wager in a similar position in terms of height as well. So I think he might have met McDonald once, but if he's ever seen Ben Gladwin play, or no, he's not particularly useful in the air either. So I, I don't know that he's he's the big checkmate that maybe he thinks he might be, having seen a six foot three midfielder. But yeah, it was it was interesting in terms of kind of said it. It's not really him that does the corners, which is fair enough if it's not, but. I just thought maybe if that experience of having... Because Chelsea were the second worst in Europe, basically, whilst he was there, behind only Amiens. So, you know, I thought maybe he could use that experience to try and figure out what lessons they learned, but it didn't seem like one was going to be informing the other too much. Oh, no. Um, Just just, uh, just came off the top of the head there that um, Andrew Hawes would be quite lonely on Saturday because... 
Um, ben Gladwin will have a bit of company uh, in the ranks because just a little time to touch on a little aside from the press here that Anthony Grant has managed to secure a, a, a role at Scott Lindsay's Crawley. Yeah, I was definitely intrigued to hear this because actually earlier today, Andrew said that, An- that Anthony Grant had told him that he was going to be signing for a club soon. The last home game didn't say who it was. I was sort of assuming it would be a National League side, but it's, uh, it's off, to, off to Crawley to be... You know, it's, it's an interesting signing. Looking at their um, their replies to the tweet, they were slightly confused by the fact that they'd signed an older player, which um, means that Swindon fans and Crawley fans are the exact opposite of people. But um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good move for him. Hope we'll get to see him at the end of the season. Hopefully, yes, yes, perhaps so. He must have just enjoyed that relegation battle so much last year that he fancied another. Another go at it here. That's a very canny move. That that really did uh, that really, really did jump out at me. Um. So yes, we've got returning players. We've got uh, everyone coming back in, looking to um to the Stockport game. What does Jody Morris think that he'll have to do differently? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Of, I mean, kind of improving all over, really. But he said that you know Stockport had had an awful lot of quality. They were, he felt that they were sort of really well drilled and really good physical side. So just in terms of having to find their way to deal with that, and he kind of felt that specifically Swindon were going to need to keep the ball a lot better, which is the thing that really stuck out to me against Rochdale in terms of Swindon just could not move the ball up the field and keep it at any stage at all. That was that was what was really lacking. So in terms of kind of dealing with the the height and physicality and experience that Stockport will bring. It's like Swindon's midfield and winning that clash and really just sort of not letting Stockport use those things because they don't have the ball that much was going to be the most important way that Swindon can get anything out of this game. Yeah, and to, uh, you know, to massage your ego once again, I always do enjoy reading your stuff on uh, Total. Not seen any player ratings for... Uh, last game yet. I don't know if you're quite brave enough for those ones, but you um, you had that great piece on the uh, corners issue. There's some nice illustrative examples in there. I really recommend people have a look and a read through. But I do like that after games as well, you have um, your piece of what we learned. And I think that it seemed like the things that you were pointing out kind of chime with Jody Morris's issues as well. Well, of course, you went to that before you'd published. Do you think, like uh, Scott Lindsay with the stats, do you think he's taking a little peek at your work? <laughs> yeah, it's going to sound like I'm paying you soon, isn't it, <laughs> with these plugs? But um, I mean, it's nice to be on the same page as a man who's been paid to be in football for as long as Jody Morris has. But I think, you know, just when you watch those games, it was it was quite blatant, really, that. I didn't get a stopwatch out at any point on Sunday morning watching the game, but I kind of feel like we couldn't have held the ball for longer than 10 seconds at any point during that first half. It, it, is, it was just embarrassingly bad on the ball for a team of as many technical players as we have. I neglected to bring up as well, because I was getting so excited about Anthony Grant, that, of course, you asked that Jody had a similar experience with Chelsea in set pieces. So, uh, I don't think he thought there was much to really learn from how they would do it compared to how Swindon set up, did he? No, he didn't look that way. This is on Monday night when I was doing 
a lot of the research and stuff for that article I was ran across because someone had replied to me on Twitter saying that apparently this is a problem that Derby and Chelsea had as well. And I found an athletic article about Chelsea being that incredibly bad at defending corners. Um, they didn't really defend particularly similarly. Um, there was it, they they were zonal, but it was they essentially used an example of Manchester City as being a team who overcame their height issues and then showed screenshots of them with quite a similar setup to Swindon, which was positive in some ways. But kind of the main thing out of it was the Fraser Blake Tracy factor where Chelsea had lost Kurt Zuma and that had really hurt them from conceding from corners and it felt a bit like what's happened to us with with Blake Tracy. But yeah, he didn't certainly see the particular parallels of how he could use that experience, certainly. Something for him to think on for the next game. Um, you had a player guest turn up, and I think on your live blog you were expecting Ronan Darcy, but a bit of a surprise, it was Saidu Khan. Yeah, it was lovely to see Saidu Khan. This is a really good interview, by the way. I think the way it was going to go was we were going to speak to Darcy, and then Khan was going to be doing a piece with the BBC about Ramadan, which I think is going to be on Sunday. And I, uh, we, we sort of technically weren't supposed to live blog this bit, but we weren't told in advance. So it had happened by that point. But I do very much implore everyone. I think it's going to be going up on Sunday, Andrew said. Um, BBC Wiltshire talking about um, a piece on Ramadan, which Saidu Khan's interview will feature. It's a really interesting listen if anyone does want, it will want to do that because it was certainly enlightening for me to learn about to that aspect, which was, what a lot of the interview is about, as well as a bit of football. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much into that and, uh, you know, take away from a a exclusive, especially if you get the chance to hear um, Saidu talk about his, uh, you know, his faith and his philosophies in his own words. Um, but, of course, Ramadan has just finished earlier this week and a big challenge for Muslim footballers who... Uh, honor the festival is is fasting and that's a question that you asked about so shall we have a listen to your question to Saidu Khan let's hear it I just think as a player have you ever thought about not doing Ramadan because obviously it, it said you said it does sometimes affect you at the start mm-hmm. so have you, have you ever had that conversation with yourself and maybe other people no no I haven't because uh, Islam is what I grew up into and what I believe and for me, football is secondary compared to a religion. I won't play football my whole life, but I will be a Muslim for my whole life. So I've got to take that part serious. And I've never thought about not fasting during Ramadan for football or for any other reasons. Okay, yeah. So throughout that, I mean, it was really nice to listen to how, how important Saidu's faith is to him and how it kind of informs yeah, his philosophy and outlook on things. But, I mean, fasting in particular, you're not eating until the evening, like maybe about 7 p.m., and only got a sort of window until until sunrise then, till about 2 or 3 o'clock. So I guess tying that in with the life of a footballer, where we know that you know, diets and things like that are very strictly managed, that can be a difficult thing to wrestle with. And I think you had asked about whether... You know, he'd considered that it would be detrimental or whether he'd thought about not doing it so that he could maintain that career. Yeah, I, I remember at the 2018 World Cup, I think it was the Egyptian national team all got exempted from Ramadan because it fell during the tournament. 
um, to try and help them with that. So it was, it was kind of born out of that, really, if it was something he'd thought about, maybe because he, he had said during it that he was sort of, certainly at the start of the month, it was quite difficult for him to adapt to not not eating when he normally would. And sort of, he said he could only eat between about 7pm and 3am. He was trying to cram three meals into that window and that being quite difficult. So it was, you know, because as a career as a professional athlete, when especially in evening games this season, he's going to be, have to be playing at night. It was, you know, what had he thought maybe certainly whilst he was still a player, he would he would go think differently about it. But no, it, was, it was really lovely to hear his philosophy about, you know, his, how he thinks about life, which I don't think, for obvious reasons, we don't really talk to the footballers about their religion too often. But this was a really nice experience to, to listen to him on that topic. Yeah, and very fortunate of him to be able to share that with everybody. I think he's just coming back, of course, from suspension. I've not been keeping count, so does that mean that he has served his suspension now and he'll be available for Saturday as well, or is there still a game to go on that? I keep counting this up because he got suspended ahead of um, Leighton Orient, didn't he? So I think... Yeah, post-Solfer, there was the... The twirl, it looked a bit like it looked a bit of like play fighting really in the playground. You know, when somebody would grab somebody by the rucksack and swing them round, it did look a bit daft. But yes, that was the thing when it was a retrospective uh red and subsequent uh suspension, wasn't it? So yes, Orient game. I think no, I think yeah, I think he's had all five now because of Harrogate before that as well. So I think he is back for this weekend. And I think that uh not to give again too much away from his uh, impending interview, but I think that when he's talking about, you know, faith and how he lives his life, he was he was quite philosophical about the suspension itself, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he said he's reflected on it a lot and how um, and faith has really helped him to get over that. Yeah, not wanting to take too much away from the BBC because it is. I, I would absolutely recommend everyone listen to it. Um, he, you know, he, his faith had really helped him get over the frustrations that he was feeling with having to be out for such a long time after a decision that he felt was quite unjust. Yeah, I mean, of course, we could we could detail and go through everything that he said from that, but you know, I'm recalling back to uh, the weekend's episode, and I think it was Terry saying that you know, it's so hard to feel a connection to particular players. We could paraphrase what he'd said until whenever, but it actually coming from from his mouth and getting to hear him speak about his faith in his own words is, is its own experience. I suppose, you know, football is a, a global game and, you know, there's more and more Muslim footballers coming into the professional game. This is going to have to be a consideration for various football authorities to think about, you know, how they will manage this, isn't it? Yeah, I believe the Premier League spoke this week about, um, they were going to allow Muslim players to break their fast during the match by having sort of a three-minute break during evening games. And I think Saidu Khan says in this that in League Two, it's kind of an agreement-type situation where we're playing Bradford and uh, Stevenage on upcoming Tuesdays. And um, those teams would have to agree to let him have that pause. I don't know necessarily if they would have any Muslim players as well. Hopefully they would they will allow him to do that because otherwise he will probably be quite hungry on the pitch and um, and uh, obviously it's just a, a short break to let him get a small amount of food in 
to uh, to help his energy levels. Exactly. I think even something like an energy gel and some fluid on board would probably make a big a big difference in that moment, wouldn't it? Yes, that's an interesting thing to sign off on, and people can look forward to listening to that as part of the... Is that going to feature in the um, match day stuff, or is that going to be a, a feature on its own on BBC Wiltshire? Do we know that one? I, I don't know specifically. I think they said um, Andrew said they were doing sort of a special on Ramadan this weekend, so I think um, look at the schedule and hopefully people will be able to find it, but it is definitely worth a listen when they do put it out. And so it could be it could be a part of the uh, you know the wider Swindon community of which he's contributing to, which would be uh, another nice thing. Like we say, we want those connections with players. We want to hear their personal stories, and that's uh, only a good thing. Okay, let's look ahead from your thing. Now, last week everybody was very optimistic. We're all thinking that we're going to run away with it. I think it'll be a bit more measured in terms of your expectations for Stockport, aren't you? Yeah, well, I had, I think I had his 3 0 last week. So I got close in terms of goals, but uh, outcome was a bit skew whiff. Um, I think I have to run it back the other way and say 2 0 to Stockport. You see, I went for, I'm going to stick with the same prediction I put on their pod yesterday that I feel like the way that things are going, that I think a 2-1 could be a a positive in a strange way, that we've kept it lower, we've managed to get something out of it. There's certainly an eventuality where, you know, we come away with a marginal loss. I mean, they are, I mean, let's face it, they're up where we probably feel like we should be. They're up there in sixth in those playoff places and we're, we're quite far adrift. So I'm predicting a marginal loss, but... Uh, Maybe if there's some positives to take from it, I think that's what we're we're kind of clinging to now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you had a perfect chance to hedge your bets there, so uh, good on you for for staying true to what you thought. Um, yeah, it feels like a bit like Carlisle, where I don't think anyone really goes into the game thinking we will get anything. So if there are positives to the performance, that'll be one thing. But on the other hand, if anyone does think there's any chance of playoffs, they probably need to win about eight of the last ten. So losing another one slims the margins even further. So, you know, um, I think if if we are still playing this season, which I think we are very marginally doing at this point, uh, this one is almost certainly going to have to be a win. Uh, Yes, and as you'd wrote about uh, in your superb articles, I'll plug for a third time, um, one thing that you'd picked up on, I think quite a few of us have, picked up on is that it's coming just at a time where Shade is hitting a bit of form and he's going to be sunning himself so oh well never mind yeah never rains but it pours although not for Tyree Shade because he's in the Caribbean having a lovely time yes indeed and well uh you'll hopefully be having a lovely time with Rich next week thank you so much for coming on to the uh press room getting this thing preview. Before we go, I just want to give a little a little shout out to Matt in Singapore, who does the wonderful artwork on here. Unfortunately, found himself in hospital and won't be won't be coming over to see the Barrow game. I know he's a a firm listener. I know that Rich and all the enthusiastic contributors want to wish him uh, the very best and to get well soon. And Joe, I'm sure those sentiments are with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, he feels better soon. His uh, his videos on Twitter are also very helpful when I need to look up something I didn't see during a match. 
And Rich will be back on the presser next week. Until then, Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.